Where else can you go to not only find the information on how to train your dog, but the best deals on training equipment as well? Standing Stone Supply has everything you need to create that next versatile champion from DT system electronics down to even emergency med kits to take with you on your hunting trips. If you need some help with your training program, then their step-by-step online course might be a great fit for you, making it a convenient one-stop shop for the knowledge as well as the gear to take your training to the next level. Hit up standingstonesupply.com and promo code GDIY will save you 10%. Being an upland hunter in the south nowadays unfortunately means a lot of travel to try and find birds for my dogs. This means it's even more important that my map scouting is reliable to justify the effort. This is where Onyx comes in. I can honestly say that Onyx directly impacts the level of success I find on my trips. Whether it's the private versus public land boundaries, the expanding number of unique layers and features by state, or the 3D mapping capabilities, my initial step in planning my hunting trip starts with Onyx. To know where you're going, you have to first know where you stand. Check out Onyx Hunt Maps and use code G. GDIY 20 at checkout to save 20%. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. GDIY profiles are bonus episodes that tell the stories of how your everyday handler got into the gundog world. You will hear plenty of examples of what to do as well as what not to do and how they learn from those experiences. These episodes are being put out to tell the honest stories that we as do-it-yourself dog handlers can all relate to. If you think it would be a good fit for a profile episode, please go to gundogityourself.com and complete the form and we may get back to you so that you can share your story. All right, everybody, welcome back to another edition of the GDIY Profile. We have Tom Bashan on the line with us this week. Tom, how you doing? Doing well, doing well. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Absolutely. So uh, go ahead and tell everybody where you're from and how you kind of got into the gundog world. Yeah, so um, I grew up in Florida, central Florida area, and uh, I always had dogs around the house. My parents had a little small, like five acre chunk of land, and we always had like little farm dogs, like really just mutts, anything that was around really anything that walked up the driveway we kind of kept <laughs> and then uh yeah so i never really got into gun dogs or anything just had those family pets and all that and then uh, my brother-in-law got a lab um that he used to duck hunt with and that was probably my first experience with an actual my working dog that actually could do some stuff hunting wise i i always squirrel hunted when i was little and then uh, I got in big to waterfowling and stuff like that and tried to find the elusive bobwhite quail in Florida. Um, but then, um, so I did that, some hunting with the lab and then uh, joined the military and the military brought me out to Alaska as my first spot. So when right. I was up there, yeah, so the, up there, the you know big game is king, but I was always just fascinated by bird hunting and just waterfowling in general. But I wanted to get in, I've just been reading some different stuff and wanted to get into upland bird hunting and there's a lot of grouse and ptarmigan up there. So I wanted to give that a go. Very so nice. My first dog. Yeah. So my first dog was a Brittany. Um, and I actually 
had no real breed specific mindset. I was kind of just looking around and trying to figure everything out. And I read a book called, it was like the only book about upland hunting in Alaska. And it was written by a, like a famous photographer and writer um, from Alaska. I think his name is Jim McCann or something like that. Yep, I think he's, he's been on there. a couple of podcasts. Yeah. And, um, so he has that book and he runs Britney's and I bought that book. I read it and I was like, all right, let's get a Britney. <laughs> Absolutely. So and, and I found one, um, there's a couple of Britney breeders up there. Found one with, I mean, I didn't know which way it was up with all that stuff, just like most people when they're getting their first dog, but there were like hunting lines. I think the, uh, father was a like a guide dog down in Kansas or something like that, and the mom dog uh, hunted around up in Alaska. So I got the first Brittany, and yeah, jumped off from there. And now I have Brittany, a draught, and do all sorts of stuff. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you jump, jumped in and you had a Brittany, and then went the bearded dog route. So yeah, so yeah, what was, was it like? Yeah. What was it like with your first? dog up in alaska you know the i guess the population probably isn't what it is how we relate to it down here did you have any local yeah. chapters or people to help you out up there yeah there was um there was a really good nada chapter which kind of hooked me on the whole um or at least the nabda thing i guess you could say uh i didn't really i didn't get into it immediately i probably when I got the second dog, my Drothar, when my Brittany was almost two. So like that first year and a half, I kind of was just freewheeling it. Like I was just doing it. I was just going out, trying to find grouse. Uh, I did what everyone tells you not to do is when my puppy Brittany was finding birds, like I was just so stoked that he was finding them. I was shooting over, ripped through birds, <laughs> just bumped uh -huh. everything. But like, if he was, if he was within range, I was, just, I was shooting him, And, uh, I mean, it ended up not really hurting him that all. Like once I actually put some foundation and training on him, he's actually really pretty solid right now. So, nice. uh, but so yeah, it worked the, out well in the end. Yeah. So yeah, I got lucky, I guess. Uh, yeah. But when I started going to the training and actually learning like how to do some stuff, uh, the NAVA chapter there is pretty close group just because it's Alaska, so there's not much else. I mean, it's a pretty wide-ranging group, just like you were talking about the population and stuff like that, but uh, pretty regular. They get together. They're a lot of good people. But I think how I got the draught was like the first day I showed up, my Brit, like the chain gang lines out, you know, and everyone's showing up and introducing and all that stuff and getting ready for the training day. And there's probably about like, and like, it seems like there was like 10 bearded dogs, like on the chain gang. And I was like, what is this about? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't, there wasn't many other breeds really. Uh, there was some like large Munsties and, uh, stuff like that. And the intermix of, there wasn't really any short hairs. I don't recall. Well, I guess uh, up there, the, mainly, the climate kind of makes the short hair breeds yeah. uh, a little tougher to manage. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's like pretty much what it boiled down to. But yeah, so I saw some Drothar's work, and I was just like, and I still had the big waterfowl bug. 
Um, and it was, I attempted to do a few waterfowl hunts with my Brit up there, but it's, it was just brutal. So like, I didn't want to see him having to break ice and just shivering and like, it's cause I mean, pretty cold. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, I was just looking for different coated dog, I guess. And then through all the contacts of Navda and stuff, I found a, found a drop breeder that had a litter and went, went that way. That makes sense. What was that experience like finding a breeder and, and selecting the breeder you wanted to get the dog from? Uh, it was, it was fairly simple. There was, there's a couple drought har kennels in Alaska. I think there's two or three and there's one, one of the main guys, uh, who uh, runs a kennel. He's like the training director for the NAVDA chapter. So knowing him and working with him, he put me in touch with a guy who had a litter on the ground up in Fairbanks because I was in Anchorage and like the southern part of the state. But yeah, I just made some phone calls, just talked about the breed. And I kind of got into, because they're pretty strict on like their breeding regulations and everything. Yeah. Uh, Like both dogs have to pass a certain number of tests, get health cleared hardness, all sorts of different stuff. Um, so I just like kind of enjoyed that aspect and talking to them and seeing what all they can do. Um, just like with any other nav to breed, they're pretty versatile. Like if you expose them to it correctly and everything. So yeah, it was good. Um, pretty simple process. I, I probably, because of just the limited options, I guess, because it was only Alaska. Right. And it turns out both, both, both kennels up there are really good people and, um, all that stuff. So it was, it was pretty simple actually. So I'm, yeah. I'm curious with the training up in that region, you know, how many months would you say out of the year do you have a, a good opportunity to get out and do some good training or are you kind of stuck inside doing a lot of stuff, uh, a good portion of the year? Uh, yeah, usually, so a lot of obedience and many force fetch was always recommended for the winter months because you're stuck. Like there's not much else to do. Like if there's four foot of snow on the ground, there's not really, <laughs> you're not going to really be doing bird work or any water work or anything. So, so if the kind of the best timing would be, I feel like you got a puppy in late winter, early spring. And then you could get it on the grass and in the field and get it doing that. And then the fall would be water work and you could force fetch the young dog in the winter. And then by the next year, you would have touched all the bases and have a pretty solid hunting dog. But I mean, hunting season up there is really long. Like grouse season opens in like August 10th, I believe. So and it runs until March. So like wow. in the dead of winter and the dead of winter, like if you had a, a snow machine, that's what a lot of guys did was they would hook up kind of like a trailer to the snow machine with a dog box on it. And they would hit up the mountain ranges and get the dogs out. It was, you kind of had a, it was an adventure, but you had to be a pretty good woodsman. Cause you had to know like, okay, this snow is going to be the temp. Like, you had to really know what you're doing in Alaska because you had to know where 
uh, temperature was and like if that snowpack was going to be good enough for you to be able to get up on and stuff like that to actually run dogs. But I mean, ptarmigan would, they're everywhere. So what was it like running dogs in that much snow? You know, was it tough on their feet? Did, did, I'm assuming that the drots is being longer legged and, and maybe the coat Mm -hmm. was a little bit easier to run them with that, that much snow compared to your Brit. Uh, yes and no. The Brittany held up pretty good. His main thing you had to worry about was just obviously the feet and the pads and stuff like that. But, uh, Usually it was, I never ran boots. I just didn't like boots because usually if any water got in and then it melted, it was just freeze inside the boot kind of thing. So I always ran, went bootless, but would just put like, um, what's that called? Mustard uh, secret. secret. Yeah. 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 I would, you would lather those, lather their feet up with that to prevent any ice balls from happening in between their pads. Cause that's usually the biggest thing was just, after running for so long there, they would get ice build up in between their pads and then it would create a ball. And then you would have a dog that would be like, it'd almost be like in the South if they had a sand burr or something and they just start limping because yeah. they can't really do anything with that foot. It's to, it was just, you would have to go get over there and figure out how to get that ice ball out of, yeah. their, out of their pad. That's thing. tough on them. Yeah. Um, do you have a maximum snow depth that you hunt in? Or are you like, okay, 18 inches of snow and I'm, I'm not taking them out. Or is there, I don't know. I just imagine Alaska's covered yeah. up in snow I most mean, of the winter. Yeah. Uh, usually, like, if it was above two feet in the, like, lowlands, like, out of the valleys and stuff, because that's usually where I did most of my hunting because I didn't have a snow machine to get up into the ranges like a lot of the guys did. Uh, usually, if it was, like, two feet, pretty much, like, if the dog up to like their shoulders. Like if it was like anything other than that, where if they hit a, hit a patch and they would just sink and you couldn't see them anymore. It was sure. kinda, oh, that's it. <laughs> where <laughs> so, my dog go? So do they yeah, just like plow through the snow or are they, you know, jumping yeah, I mean, out of it every couple seconds? Yeah. It's kind of like bounding. Yeah. Right. I don't know if it was just like maybe a little bit of just genetics, just cause both mm-hmm. my dogs, bred in alaska so they're used to it and they're just they have that going down but they they loved it they would love plowing through the snow i mean it's a great cardio workout they were always in the best shape of their lives when no, I, I, bet. There, I bet yeah that's what i was kind <laughs> of about to ask you know how how long of an effective hunt can you get out of them i mean i can just imagine bounding through the snow that that long and then i mean just being that brittle cold, you know, I'm assuming that, you know, you're not mm-hmm. hunting them all day about, about how long yeah. of effective hunting per outing, outing can you get between each dog? Uh, I would be an hour or two. That's what I always did. Um, like one dog down for an hour, hit like an area or a patch of cover where you think, or you found grouse before you wanted to check out or whatever get them down and if there was snow that up to that length yeah it would be roughly an hour just to just to be on the safe side of everything because you never know like it's again it's alaska so like anything wild happens is you're you're out there so (laughs) it was kind of always just like get them down for an hour try to figure out what's going like see if you can get some birds and then back to the truck warm back up jump a spot, put the other dog down type of 
Uh, and were most of the birds you were finding snow roosted? Uh, yeah, there. Yeah, you could find them snow roosted, which was pretty cool. Um, yeah, in the in the dead of winter was was more when you'd find that. But like a lot of like early season, you'd find young birds and stuff. You'd find the spruce grouse, um, or like anywhere on trails and roads and everything. And uh, but yeah, it was it was definitely a good time to hunt up there. It's, there's a lot of different stuff to experience. So. Yeah, I bet it is. I mean, I'm kind of hearing about it going up into the mountain ranges on a snowmobile with a dog box on the back. That that sounds yeah. pretty appealing. Yeah. Let's make so, it yeah. so where where are you at now? Are you still in Alaska or have you moved? Uh, I'm in Washington now. Okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So very Washington. much different. What's the uh, what's yeah. the difference there for you and your dogs? Uh, mainly heat, <laughs> at least right now in the summertime. Um, but really I do a lot of, uh, hunting out in Eastern Washington for Valley quail and chucker and hunts and stuff and pheasants. Washington's a pretty good state for variety, uh, opposed to like Alaska had ptarmigan and grouse and everything, which was super cool. But here there's a lot of, a lot of variety just cause I guess weather really. Um, but yeah, we Dove into a lot of pheasants last year in eastern Washington. Um, they're always fun to hunt and find the valley quail coveys. And I didn't fully dive into chucker hunting. I wanted to. I've done it a few times. It's a lot of fun. Um, but um, there was just different stuff from work. I didn't really get to hunt as frequent as I wanted to last year. So yeah. didn't really have too many like actual spots figured out yet so i know the feeling uh, you just named about you just named like four different species in in washington and uh you know washington's not necessarily known as a bird hunting state uh so oh yeah uh, maybe maybe more people are going to start going out to washington you're (laughs) you're kind of blowing it up man (laughs) i mean (laughs) that's all right no it's it's not that good (laughs) yeah eastern washington is very very good i think um there's a lot of land it's very similar to oregon idaho type stuff yeah. you can you have the, the lowlands and sagebrush area you can get up into the little bit of high country a lot of different species and stuff like that but um for sure so are you yeah, up at fort fun. lewis now is that where you're stationed at now yeah mm-hmm all right, I, I've been up yeah, there a couple the- times. It's gorgeous up there. Mount Rainier, right behind the base. You're sitting there yeah. in formation like, I want to yeah. be up there, not down here. <laughs> yeah, that's the, the only problem is I wish it was on the eastern side of the Cascade Range because like the western side where the base is and really all the population for Washington is, there's just not much. Uh, there's some like you can get up into certain national forests and find some grouse and stuff. I mean, I never did, but I try attempted, but apparently they are. And, uh, there's like, they have the fed lease sites on this side, which is just kind of like a preserve hunt. State puts out birds and you go walk around and kick them up and stuff like that. But hey, that's better than yeah, nothing. Like Eastern Washington's. Yeah. Eastern Washington's it's fun. Um, awesome. So compared to just uh, like the other, everyone yeah. has different, 
different goals with their dogs and i know you're involved in navda a little bit where are you at with your dogs have you run them in na utility are you prepping for a test are you more focused on hunting uh right now with the way this year's been they would have already been utility tested two months ago if sure covid didn't happen but uh so now it's now that's getting bumped i'm gonna try to figure out something for the fall if not i'll right back to spring at 21 for their utility test uh i never i didn't na my Brittany. i kind of just hunted him and made my mistakes but now i'm now that i've learned more and got a good foundation on him and he's got some hunting years under his belt um i'm starting to do a lot more with him and uh get try to get him to get a good score in the utility with my drodhar i did all her or I shouldn't say all, but I did majority of the the German side tests um, with her, like their their version of the NA, and then yep. their HZP, which is very similar to the utility. I think there's just like certain facets that are that aren't as critiqued as hard as opposed to the utility. But then some of the things in utility are not as important on for the German side type thing, but. Uh, yeah, she's she's run both of her puppy and intermediate um, German tests and all that. And it was, I think that's what also triggered me to do more with my Brittany and Navda. Is like when I first got the dogs, I was always just going to be like, yeah, I'm just going to hunt and stuff like that. And then after the first year and a half of kind of just like head spinning a little bit on certain aspects, I was just like, let me get into a more structured like group that knows what they're doing and kind of go that route and i've loved it so far yeah and that and, uh, that's what got me and that's what gets a lot of people a lot of people start off saying i'm just gonna hunt and i'm like well wait till you start seeing some of these tested dogs or at least you just kind of yeah, get into having exactly. a structured direction to go with your dogs and then next thing you know you're you're in it with both feet and kind of sounds what like what happened with you so you know we appreciate you coming on and sharing your story uh if you had to sum up what was the biggest lesson you had when entering in this dog world and where you're at now uh what would you say is the most important thing that you've learned along the along the way Mm, i'd say probably now i mean just like now that I'm thinking about getting a third dog here soon. And yeah. what I like when I got the first dog, I didn't have any sort of plan. Like I was just like, Oh yeah, I'll get a hunting dog. I'll go hunt. I'll get them on birds, blah, blah, blah. And we'll just go from there. Um, I, th- I would say the biggest thing that I would, for a, someone new that's diving in or really even someone's been in at it for a few years and, um, just looking for advice would just be like set up or figure out a training method. I think you guys always touch on it. I think on one of your recent episodes, the the fire hose one, it's like when you go to these, these training days or you talk to somebody, you're going to get a lot of different stuff. So I would almost do before I even do the puppy research and or breed or whatever would be to like figure out goals and then figure out how to achieve them and set up that timeline before you even get the dog. Cause it's kind of easy to get the dog, 
start rolling with it. You got a puppy. It's fun. A week, a month goes by and it's a puppy. Da, 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 and then all of a sudden it's eight, eight months old. And you're like, Oh yeah, that I had that plan. But if I started it when he was three months old, like I could have had some progress rolling and kind of see the overall picture. And, um, so yeah, I would say have a training plan set almost, or just get some knowledge on one at least Absolutely. that you want to follow. Yeah. That's, that's one of my biggest, biggest mistakes. I think was like, I'm just like everyone else. I've read almost every book, mm-hmm. watched every DVD, talked to every single person. Um, but now I've kind of getting set in my ways of like, I like this strategy, this con like this training method, and this is the way I'm going. So like, I'm excited for my next dog. So I can be like, Oh yeah, I can start now. I know what I'm doing type of thing. <laughs> so I would say for someone new is just kind of get the vibe of what training method you, you want to try and then just stick to it and go from there type of thing. Man, that's great advice is to, to have a plan and, and stick to it. But, but don't be afraid to change if you come across a method that's that's yeah. better uh, inside mm-hmm. your plan. And, you know, you don't have to necessarily change your whole journey, but don't, yeah. don't be stuck in your ways and not willing to try a new training method. Uh, yeah. We had a guy, just, a guy show up at the training day yesterday that was just, uh, that doesn't even have a dog. And I'm like, man, this is refreshing because you're you're really yeah, set up all. for success. <laughs> yeah. You get to see yeah, smart. Yeah. see some different plans and different training methods, different breeds, and and go from there. So that's great advice, man. Uh, really enjoyed everything, and thanks for coming on. Yeah, no worries. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been Absolutely. a lot of fun. Yeah, I just love what you guys are doing with the podcast. It's really good for just like regular DIYers, man. Just like you guys always say, and. Yeah, it's just very beneficial. Yeah, that's for everyone. That's so, the goal yeah. for sure is to is to help everyone learn from the mistakes we made and of course get folks on like you and, and share your mistakes as well. So thanks for sharing that with everybody. No problem. Hey, well you have a good one and we'll talk later. Thank you for listening to GDIY. If you enjoy this podcast, please remember to take a moment to rate, review, and share with a friend. Also, be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram under Gundog It Yourself. If you really enjoy this podcast and would like to contribute even more to future content, please check out our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Gundog It Yourself. Thanks again and happy hunting. Everyone seems to have the same questions or concerns when they start trying to decide which kennel to purchase for their vehicle. Perhaps it's time to stop asking all the questions and just design the perfect setup that meets your exact needs. B-Pro Kennel specializes in designing and fabricating custom premier dog boxes handcrafted right here in the USA from high-grade, lightweight aluminum. They'll get you set up with the size dimensions, lighting, storage, battery boxes with solar charging, and anything else you can dream of. Stop stressing over buying the wrong setup just have to replace it again in a year. Go ahead and check out bprokennels.com and get exactly what you want. If you're considering changing your dog's food soon, then be sure to check out Yukonuba Pro Performance. Their science-backed formulas are designed to take your dog to the next level of performance. They also now have the new puppy formula to help your pup start strong and live active. When looking at all the different food options, remember Yukonuba to help power their ultimate performance. 
Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's Bob from Lone Ducks Gun Dog Chronicles podcast. I hope you just enjoyed the episode you just listened to. And if you did, I think you'll enjoy hopping on ours. We've got professional retriever trainers and upland bird dog trainers from across the country and world sharing their tips and tricks and great stories to help you and your dog get ready for the season. We'll see you there.